G'day everyone, my name is Tom Craig and you're listening to my podcast, The Help Side, where we speak to some of the most recognisable names in world hockey and get an insight into who they are, what they're about and what makes them tick. Now if you like what you hear, feel free to follow our socials at The Help Side on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. We'd absolutely love that. Our guest this week is current Kookaburra squad member, Tom Wickham. I sat down with TJ at his home in Perth over an expertly made cup of coffee and we chewed the fat for an hour and a half or so about his journey from outback Australia to the bright lights of international hockey. Now, one of the best parts of doing this gig is listening to people's stories about how they got to where they are and what it took to make it there. What you're about to hear is the narrative of Tom's life and all the twists and turns which have taken him to being a regular fixture in the Kookaburras. In TJ's own words, at a dozen different stages in his life, his path could have taken him down a very, very different way. And hockey has been the constant that's kept him on the path towards achieving his dreams. Tom talks about his unfaltering dedication to his mission and the highs and lows of the journey towards sporting excellence. TJ's journey is anything but smooth, but if you're after a story of utter resilience and determination, then this is for you. Please enjoy the help side of Tom Wickham. We're off here with Tom Wickham, aka TJ, and very occasionally aka Barry. Thanks for the coffee, mate. Pleasure. Good to be here. We're back. Help side. I don't know what episode this is. Never do. But um, let's talk about obsessions firstly, because it's right up your alley, as you say. And we're enjoying the fruits of one of your obsessions at the moment, the coffee. Can you talk to us a little bit about that part of your personality? And more specifically, actually, tell me, I make coffees, you make coffees for the people at home. What's the secret? Because a lot goes into it. Well, like <laughs> like any anything, I think you have to do a bit of homework. That's true. And uh, once I started to dive into it a little bit, I actually decided to sign up for a coffee course and try and learn a little bit more about it. Um, had a few grand plans to deck out a caravan and make a portable coffee coffee shop. Still hasn't eventuated. Probably part of my obsession. Um, but I think you got to do your homework. You got to learn about it and then put it into practice. Gotcha. And it's something you 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 prefer making your own coffee than having a coffee in the absolutely. It's not just it's not just about the the flavour or drinking it. It's just it's about the process. It's about what comes from it. Mm. Um, when you go to a cafe, you enjoy the cafe, but you also enjoy the atmosphere, sitting with your mates, if you're by yourself, reading the paper. There's something nice about just having a morning coffee or, well, coffee whenever, really. But, um, yeah, it's it's the whole the whole process. Very true. I find it quite soothing, making coffees too. Mm, it's good fun. It's fun. It's not good when you stuff it up a few times. <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> yeah. It gets a bit expensive when you get a new bag and you have to dial it in, but um, it's all part of it. Very true. Um, so we got other obsessions because there are a few. I went on a quick tour of your house just before. So your golf clubs. There's a bike out the front. <laughs> There's a few. Like we spoke to Moose earlier in the piece about his obs- obsessions, and um, I don't even think he's on your level. Yeah, the big Moose. He's he's probably a little bit like me. Um, there's just something about when you start something, you. There's so much more to learn. You never you never know when you when you first. Um, when you first start doing something, um, it's probably perfect. Like hockey's perfect point of view. Like just become obsessed with it. But then other things you start to, to to do. I mean, 
first time I bought a four wheel drive, like it was like, what <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> what can I, what can I pull, what, how can I deck it out, and how can I make it awesome? First time I picked up a bunch of golf clubs. I mean, it's, it's no secret I'm not very good, and I probably started golf a little bit too late, and now I've had to put some serious work in over the last few years, and that quickly spirals when you want to buy a new set of clubs. It's like, well, I need to do it properly. I can't just go and buy a pair of hat clubs. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, you're down down this vortex of trying to find out what you need. Same, same with bikes, same with coffee, same with running shoes. I don't know where's it stop, but... You buy the um, best, though. You, you just, yeah, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Um, you could do what Jerry does, for instance, <laughs> Jeremy Haywood, and, you know, buy the same thing 10 times over cost a year or you know just get it once and be done with it and although I have broken a few club club um, shafts have that's probably from, from what poor probably a combination of poor swing and swinging too hard <laughs> but not a not like not a snap not over knee. your knee yeah but have come close to that yeah I think we've all come close to that it's a, it's a funny game to go off um, let's talk about the super camp um, some people may know we've had a, a strange year we're in the midst of COVID-19 coming to the end of 2020 and for much of the year we didn't have much in the way of a centralised training program over in Perth um, but it culminated with a super camp, two week camp, we played four games, we had people coming from all over Australia, I think 40 um, and we're just out the back end of that. Can you give us your opinion on the on the super camp and how to go for you? Yeah, I think, um, I think it was really important. Um, I think my first coming into it I just... I mean, for the guys that have been in Perth, we've been training pretty solid building for the last, since we come back out of COVID and we were one of the first places in the world to come out of it. So we've been going pretty solid, just training day in, day out, week in, week out, um, without any kind of end game or a tournament to build to. So it's been a funny year in that regard. So the camp kind of gave you something to feel like you're building towards. Um, I reckon a few weeks, before that, I wasn't really thinking about it. I wasn't really feeling. I just felt like it was a normal. Like I wasn't travelling. I was coming into it, and I think a really, really um, key moment for me when I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta treat this like a, a performance, um, or a tournament or so- something where I have to put something on it. Whether I created that in my own head or not, but probably the day before the camp started, Batchy presented it in a way where it's like, well, this is what's happening, and um, shaped it in a as a selection tool for them, um, that it could really be our highest quality games that we play up until Olympics. So once that was shaped, I kind of went, okay, I've got to take that and, and use it as a um, means to become driven and it doesn't take long to kick into that mode. I think the next day we're playing our first game. Mm. So probably up until the day before, I was just like, it's more training and playing games and knew what it was, but probably didn't put the meaning in it which I think in some regards is probably good for me because I like to get into it. Um, so from that perspective, once we were into it, I think it was it was really good. We played four games, highly competitive. We got our teams created and we trained separately and we tried to make it a little bit like a like a tournament. So mm. it didn't take long for the tension to build in the group. And you know, after game one, there was shots fired across it, and the boys were <laughs> the boys were into it. And that always happens. And I think. Um, it creates that environment that we probably haven't had all year. So I think it was a success. It, it allowed um, people that haven't been in our environment before to come in and get a taste of it, see where they're at. It allowed the coaches to see where they're at and, and kind of that continual progression of kookaburras coming through. 
Um, and it also allowed for the current squad to play some games of a high level and you can train all you want, but playing games and structures and putting them into place, there's nothing quite like it. So to be able to get into that high performance mode and you know, watch footage, debrief, um, you just don't get anything quite like it. So it was really good practice from that perspective. So yeah, I think all in all a success. Yeah, it was, um, it was kind of exciting actually because obviously a lot of us were over on the East Coast um, and it was quite nostalgic of a, like a junior selection camp. Like you're coming in, you know what people are like who you're playing against, but like we haven't seen each other for so long. So you're not really sure if, if you've done enough or you're up to it or something like that. Like it was exciting. There were so many new faces and we've, we've had a long, long kind of time apart. Um, from each other so I, I found it exciting in that regard yeah absolutely and I think one of the beautiful things that we have as our group as the Kookaburras is is there's room for growth in other areas new people coming in how you treat them how you bring them on board um, how you connect with the guys that we haven't seen like I haven't seen you for months and we played I think game one we are yelling at each other <laughs> so we it's how you just build those connections back and you, you bring it all back together. So um, it's not always just about the hockey, but it's, it's, it's a holistic point of view. And I think that's where a lot of the, and when the tension rises, the thing, quick things quickly come to, to fruition. So yeah, I think it was great. It's good stuff. Um, and you were part of the core who were back here in Perth. Um, you've moved here, you've, your life's here in Perth. It was a long time. It was a long grind. I mean, you guys um, went back to training quite early. As you said, Perth was one of the first places to, to lift the COVID restrictions. So you guys were back here on the grind for a long, long stretch of time with no tournaments, with nothing to break up the monotony of training, I guess. It was... Um, how was it for you? Yeah, oh, I mean, I, I really liked it. Like, I, I just like doing things. So I love hockey. I love being around it. And it doesn't take me too much to have to get myself motivated um, I think also when I do find myself lacking motivation I quickly check myself and go well one what else would you rather be doing and two like this is what I do mm. there's a reason for it mm. you can't one minute love hockey then hate it <clears throat> you can not always be best friends with it but quickly got to check yourself so I didn't have to do that too often and it doesn't take me too much to get up and about to, to try and have a crack and play hockey and improve so from that from that front like I really enjoyed it and we're at least allowed to play hockey. Very we true. trained three times a week, which was less than what we normally would. And then we played um, club hockey, which I think was really important from a community aspect. Um, it had a more relaxed feel, but it still allowed us to go off and, and play games of hockey, um, albeit not playing like the Kookaburras, but it still allows you to go and work on other things that um, you can kind of try and nut out in your own game. Um, but yeah, it was long, like good good few months there. And when you don't have like a normal training, build up is we build up and we get to tournament mode and then that, that tournament mode, it takes us a few sessions to kind of start playing at our level and we get to the back end of a tournament and we're hitting peak, playing mm. hockey, like playing hockey at our peak as a team. Then we go away, we have you know, a week or two off and then we start to build again for the next thing. And that not being there was a constant grind. And I think you can learn a lot about a lot of people in in those different situations so um the consistency to work on you know different things in your game get better at certain things was definitely there but i mean yeah it's a long grind when you don't have much of a break so for sure 
and hopefully we're we're back into it now with some internationals next year. Let's hope. Let's hope so. You got a fascinating story, and I want to dive straight into it. Um, to little Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, childhood, what was it like? Um, fast paced, I'd say. Um, yeah, I was born in Mildura, so south or oh, north Victoria. Um, never lived there. Was born there. Parents were living in Broken Hill at the time. Dad was born in Broken Hill. Little country mining country town. Um, and I was born in Mildura purely for the fact that with my older sister, my mum had a few complications. So um, at the time, she was born in Port Augusta. So again, different. That's South Australia. Dad was working at the time. Moved back to Broken Hill and um, during mum's pregnancy, she had a few issues. So the doctor at the time in Broken Hill, knowing there was a private hospital in Mildura, um, made the decision to trek down there and stayed in the caravan. Not too long after that, had me and then I drove back to Broken Hill. Lived in Broken Hill for a few years. Um, little brother came along pretty quickly after that. We moved to Alice Springs, which is centre of Australia. Um, moved there when I was, I think I was about three, two or three. So it was pretty, pretty young. Um, yeah, Alice Springs. It's a diverse place. Um, got in lots of trouble and ran amok. Moved. Moved from there. How old are we talking? What was the what was the trouble and, and oh, how old? Yeah, so I moved moved from there when I was fourteen, fifteen. So moved away from there. Moved to South Australia, which so, I'm sure we'll cover later. But Alice Springs, I mean, uh, I just wanted to be in and around everything I could be. Um, I didn't want to sit still. Couldn't sit still. I mean, the longest I'd probably sit still for was when I was allowed to play the PlayStation. And I didn't want to do that too much because Sam, my little brother, was better than me. And it's probably <laughs> the one thing he was better at me then. Which is maybe why I'm, I haven't gone down the obsession of PlayStations like all you boys have. But I, I would always want to be in the backyard playing hockey or footy or one-on-one football with my brother. One-on-one hockey. And Were you bigger than him? Yeah, so I was. You just bully him. But I was small. I wasn't a big kid. Yeah, um, yeah, I used to have to like help him we used to have the, this steel back fence and then a concrete garden bed at one end of the uh, yard and, and I'd always like have to allow him to tackle me every now and then like maybe at 15 nil yeah, yeah get, let him get a goal yep. or until he cracked it and then um, dad dad was a concreter so he he built us this massive sand pit like I reckon 12 metres by 3 metres wide like it's it was big sand pit. massive it's almost a beach. And, um, you know, free sand, just whack it in the backyard, keep the boys happy. Um, you know, I just remember digging, like, a metre and a half big tunnel, like, and then grab the hose, fill it up, use it, make it clay out of it, and then build walls with it. And, like, just obviously well and truly past sand, just digging a hole in the backyard. Yeah. Dad come home and go, what are you doing? <laughs> um, you know, using his shovels and just always in his, in his shed, run like, run and mark, get on the bike, run away from home, just go bush jumping and go to a mate's house. Parents couldn't find me all day. Um, we were just always on the go. Um, and I'm sure that caused everyone a lot of stress, especially when little brother would start following following me and we would just start running havoc. Um, but yeah, just always finding ways to just push the limits of what we were allowed to do. Like, I remember we had this dad dad's just obsessed with sheds so we'd have this big shed 
full of his tools and you know swags and all, all the equipment and then we had this little garden shed which was mum's shed which had you know I don't know secretaires in there or something and we used to jump up on the fence walk across the top of mum's garden shed into the on top of dad's shed and on top of dad's shed he had these skylights like like kind of like the corrugated iron but there was like a fiberglass one jury's still out on who cut it I believe it was me Sam thinks it was him but um, we stole a kitchen knife out of mum's back uh, and then we went up, cut a big hole in this fiberglass, jumped down on the swags and managed to get get a heap of petrol and like all this stuff and decided it'd be good to play hockey with tennis balls, lit up like with petrol full of them. So Sam and I started playing like tennis ball on fire, playing hockey, yeah, lit, lit the backyard up, like one Jeez. side of the backyard up. Right as that's happening, Dad rolls around the corner from work, and we're like, "Oh no, we're like, we're we're done." What are we talking like? How how like fire little little here? like no, spot fires, spot fires everywhere. But forget about the ball. Ball rolls off, starts another fire. So it's just Jeez. like a shambles, just mission. And um, because petrol, like, yeah, not, <laughs> not putting it out. So just like things like that would just constantly happen. And then you know, months later, how old were you then? Oh. 10 like enough to like oh, really? to run a mark um yeah you know months later then rains a little bit gets mouldy all the swags everything's mouldy out stuffed like rain dripping over like all the shells that are like kind of made of timber molded and dad eventually sees it and yeah <laughs> you never told Got, him how you nah, got it. <laughs> like he knows now he just sort of shakes his head but just things like that would constantly happen That's roll a nice. hockey with Sam out the backyard but we decide to play with rocks and just smash rocks at each other. Like, it's just like always causing trouble. Um, yeah, like constantly, just wreaking havoc. Run away from home. Just doing lots of stuff, which probably can't be mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was up until I was about fourteen. Yeah. Um, but hockey was a fixture. Yeah, hockey was constant. Like, started playing hockey when I was I think I was about three or four like pretty much when we moved to Alice mum, mum played hockey and decided she'd get back into it there's a turf there was sand base at the time yeah and then I reckon a couple well I don't know how long after I started it would have been a good five years or so they put a water base pitch in yeah as juniors you'd play between sand and the sand base and the, the grass play a lot on the grass pretty quickly started playing like up, upper grades and stuff like that and then so transition from playing grass to mostly just on sand base mm. um, until they got a water base pitch there yeah. Um, but yeah I, like from the day mum said like that was the first sport I played but from the day she said do you want to play hockey or come down I was just like hooked and oh. obsessed and just could not stop playing it to the point where yeah, I'd just go to bed at night take my stick with me put, <laughs> put my uniform on my uniform was the same same colour as my school uniform and so in the mornings I'd wake up put my school, like my hockey uniform on and walk out like I was going to school like I didn't know that it was my yeah, yeah, not, yeah. My, not my hockey uniform and mum would always be like mate what are you doing you can't like go back in your room and put your school I was like oh, oh sorry mate <laughs> just because I wanted to wear hockey uniform hockey socks like just obsessed so um, always was a fixture could like yeah just any chance I started playing and wouldn't stop yeah yeah yeah, and then the move from Alice to Adelaide. Uh, move from yeah. So in that period, um, mum and mum and dad split by like <coughs> around the end of Alice Springs, and um, so 
we moved to a country town called Freeling, which is, oh, I don't know how far out of, I forget, maybe about 80 k's out of, uh, maybe about 80 k's from Adelaide Centre. We moved there, we only lived there for a year, went to school. Um, this is when I was just getting, I was in high school, I did a couple of years in high school in Alice and that's a whole other story. But moved moved there, went to, went to this, lived in this town in Freeling, went to a school called Kapunda, which was maybe 20 k's um, north east of Freeling. Um, did two years there, went, lived there for two years and then from there, we then moved again further northeast, about 160 k's from Adelaide in a small country town called Morgan, which has a population of about 500 people. And then went to school in a town called Wakery, which is about 60 k's further again on the Murray River. So lived in a town called Morgan, not many people, couple pubs, great place for all the Adelaide people to come. All the shackies is what we call them. All the shackies used to live, live in Adelaide, come up, spend their weekends there, hang out at the pub, ski all day, wakeboard, live in their shacks. Um, and in a town that big, there's not much to do apart from just get your hands dirty, as per what we did, follow the theme from Alice Springs. Yeah, so I was, well, I was about 16, 17, living in, in Morgan. Um, Probably didn't get into as much trouble at school by then. <laughs> what do you mean? That was a Alice. Was Alice Springs. I was always in like in trouble. I was always in trouble, like fights, suspended, causing trouble with teachers, disrupting, like starting chants in the school, in like in the in the in the um, in the classrooms. Just like always, just been a menace. Just bored. Just couldn't sit still, mate. Like yeah. Um, didn't want to sit still. If it didn't interest me, just want to play hockey. <laughs> I want to be out playing hockey or be on my push bike. Um, so then in in Morgan, like I probably started to be a bit more aware, like especially when I was in Alice Springs making state team, like Northern Territory state teams and and or school sports teams or teams on like I used to start the mum and dad used to start hovering the if you keep getting in trouble you won't play hockey. So that was a real driving force for me to behave. Yeah. Um, but in a small town like that, when you're one of the better players, like pretty quickly, they're like, oh, you better play anyway. So got away with it. <laughs> um, so yeah, like probably stopped. I still a class clown. Didn't really care too much for school. Um, not that I didn't care about certain subjects, but it just didn't interest me. Like I'd do what I had to do to get by, um, and just wanted to get get to hockey training like mm. that's that's what was my means was um you know we 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 used to just like literally finish finish school i'd get on the bus from wakery back to morgan mum would be in the in the car waiting for me i'd get in the car we'd drive to adelaide go to hockey training so i was already like thinking about when school was finishing just so i gotta get get to hockey training so um and then on weekends i'd be just if I wasn't at hockey, or as soon as I got back from hockey, I'd be just go run them up around the streets, go hang out with my mates, and get up to mischief. So, um, between a little bit of school, a lot of mischief, and a lot of hockey, that's pretty much what my teenage years entailed. 
In episode 19 of The Help Side, we spoke to former Kookaburra's enforcer, Tristan White. Here's a peek. On to that final game. Um, that is the best game of hockey I've ever been involved in. Um, and when I say involved in, I was, I was a rookie. Um, we did play rotations in those days, but I, I think Rick might have shaved my rotations off. So I wasn't <laughs> on the field a whole lot. Um, but I just remember the atmosphere, you know, that you had Jamie Dwyer, Mark Knowles, um, just leading the team around, Eddie Ockenden, and just going up against this Dutch team who probably thought that was it was their year to win it. Um, you know, we, we've had such success with the, with the Champions Trophy um, as Australia. And I think they thought that was their time. They were, they were looking really good and had, had probably their, their best squad um, that they could. Um, and they really gave it to us. Um, and it took, like you said, the, the wonder strike from Kieran um, at the end there. Uh, and, good and pass, the rest though. is kind of history. Yeah, good pass. Good pass. <laughs> I, well, before, before that, I remember it was extra time and I came off the field and, um, and the coaches said, oh, you're next to go on the rotations and I said no nah, I'm not going I can't I'm not going on like put someone else out there I'm not I'm not doing it at this time of, um, at this time of the game and they just said well tough mate you're out there this is part of the rotations this is how it works it doesn't matter if you're a rookie and and yeah got out there Eddie Ockin and razzle dazzled um, I think he chopped up about six of their players on the sideline and um, they left me Mark, they left me alone in the middle of the field which is probably tactical because they weren't worried about me and yeah um I just, I don't remember it happening. Um, I just remember Kieran scoring and yeah, we, we carried on a bit. Um, and lucky I had about 20 mates for that were down there for a Bucks party. Um, that just made the atmosphere a whole lot better as well and got showered in beers and um, yeah, had a, had a pretty good time. So sick. I can't, like that, that really surprises me. Um, knowing you now and, and having started playing with you when you're a little bit older and more experienced, it does surprise me that you, you didn't want to go on in that extra time. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely am a different player now. Um, and I, I kind of, sometimes I wonder, imagine if I knew the things I know now when I was that young. Um, but it's not possible to do that, I think. You've got to learn in your own way. Um, and I definitely wasn't kind of measured or calm or, or super confident. Um, I was a bit of a hot-headed times and... Yeah, it's it's just one of those things that I've developed over over a period, um, and it's funny when people kind of say they, they call me the old the old dog now, or or say that I'm you know, the, the daddy, as <laughs> you guys like to say, um, because it, it definitely it definitely wasn't something that was was natural at the start, um, but something I kind of learned out of necessity, I think. That's Tristan White in episode 19 of the Help Side. Now let's get back to a young Tom Wickham who's just about to move to Adelaide in the next step of his journey towards playing for Australia. You moved to Adelaide eventually? Yeah, so I, well, I moved to Adelaide when I was, I think I was 17, like early 17, moved. It was like I finished year 11, got through year 11, I'll say, um, and then was offered a scholarship, like a SASE scholarship, so South Australian Sports Institute. Um, and at the time, I was like, I had a girlfriend. I was like, oh, I don't really want to move. Like, I'll just do it from here, drive. Um, but it was kind of like, well, the commitments are going to be too big for you to be able to keep doing what you're doing. So 
you got to make a shift to Adelaide. So I shifted, moved to Adelaide, was lucky enough um, to get an apprenticeship as a carpenter and moved, yeah, moved out of home, drove up to Adelaide and um, lived in Adelaide for, I think, well, till I was 20, which is when I moved to Perth. But in those years, was very much just stumbling through life, like did not know much about anything. I was getting paid pretty good money. I was like pretty happy with what I was getting paid. It was only apprenticeship wages, but from not having any money to having money, I just spent it on board shorts, I think. <laughs> like I did, what else could I spend it on? Um, no real, real understanding of money then. I was just like, let's just spend it and have a good time and continue to run amok when I wasn't hockey. Um, weekends I'd drive back, back to Adelaide. I remember just like, like Friday nights, finish hockey training at like, 8.30 and just like literally get in the car and just like VT Commodore speed home as fast as I could like just ridiculous through the roofs just get just to get home just so I could be with my mates and run a mark and do what you do when you're that age um, what some people do um, so yeah like Adelaide was interesting because I I was probably like I think I look back now and there's so many things that I, I forget unless you, you get me talking about it because I was just moving so fast paced for myself that I was just blinkers on and it was like hockey, hockey, hockey and if it's not hockey it's mates. And and um I just was just on a mission and that's like that was the mission I was on and everything else around me was just kinda like not keeping up. Lots of different friend groups, lots of different mates, like everyone was on my mission or it was just like I'll speak to you later type thing mm. and and um like I really like re- like really drove a lot of that into into like my parents was just like get on board um like when I was still living in Morgan before moving moving up to Adelaide like my mum was nine months pregnant with my half sister and I was like let's get in the car I gotta go to hockey without any recollection of like how she's feeling that day I was just like mum let's go so in the car we'd get and we'd drive to Adelaide drive back do that three times a week weekends I'd go and play like in the country competition and I was just running everyone ragged just to just to get on my board and it's like the mission was I'm playing hockey for Australia let's Mm. let's do it so like I look back on it now and I just I think like I have a, a real big appreciation for those people um and then even when I got to Adelaide, like I was, because I just spending my money on board shorts, <laughs> I'd be like, Mum, Dad, like, got no money. <laughs> Hell, me car's broken down. What are you doing with your money? Spending it. Um, so yeah, I, I lived in a few different people's like spare rooms for a little while. Moved in with my auntie and uncle, who at the time also cared for my grandmother, and um, lived in the spare room. And and like, I just look back to those situations now, like. I was just a I was just a nightmare. Like I was just like come home, eat, leave a mess, go, go to hockey. And I remember when I told my my um my auntie and uncle I was moving out, and they were just a bit like, what, why are you moving out? Like you got it pretty easy here. And I was like, no, I don't. Like I have to do stuff. Like you want me to clean? Like, you want me to? But all I was thinking was like, no, nah, it's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna move out and live with my mate. <laughs> and then by the time I moved out with my mate, I was like, I should have stayed. Should have stayed at my auntie's. <laughs> um. So I was just like, yeah, on a mission and, 
and there's a lot of people that helped me and I probably didn't look stop to look back at until probably the last few years and start to go, oh, there's a, like a lot of support I had around me that I didn't really look at. Mm. Um, so, yeah. What was behind the, the mission? Just wanted just, to play for Australia real bad. I just remember starting, like, one Christmas I got, like, this big foam glove that had, like, kookaburras written across it and this bucket hat that had kookaburras. And I would have been like, oh, um, I don't know, five, six. And I just vividly remember this, like, I thought I was this cool kid with this bucket hat and this foam thing. I'd run around and, like, hit people with it. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's like the kookaburras, that's Australia, that's the, that's the best you can be, that's like the pinnacle. And so once I was like, that's, you know, you say it as a kid, I was like, no, I'm going to play for Australia. Yeah, mate, no worries, good on you. You know, and, and I think back to moments at school, like everyone knew that I was a hockey player, but a little shit at the same time. I don't know if I can say that. I was, I was, I was a little shit and... It kind of grew more when, when like, as you get older, like, you, you sit down and you talk to your parents and, and they would say, like, oh, your teachers just thought you were going to be some in jail or in trouble or not go anywhere because you were just such a little menace. Couldn't get you to sit still, couldn't get you to concentrate. And so that started to grow more in me. It's like, oh, I'm on a mission. Like, I'm going to show you that I will play for Australia. Like, I'm, I'm going to make it happen. And I think that's where that real burning desire for me to just prove people wrong or um, fight to get this mission done and um as it grows it develops and you get more understanding of it and you you give it from an early age i was just like foam glove bucket hat that's what i want to be i want to i want to play for australia Mm. and like you don't comprehend how little money we make back then but i was like if i make if i play for australia that's it like i've done i've made it little do you know it then but that was the mission and that was what i was after and um man like just whenever there was hockey on the table it was like let's let's do it so um yeah i'm gonna get to your debut in 2013 in a little bit but you said before that your life could have gone a thousand different ways Mm. is there any time in particular before your eventual call up to the kookawaras in 2013 that was a do or die moment or or a breaking point moment yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many so many twists and turns and like I've said, like I've kind of danced around it and just kind of said, you know, like, yeah, I was a little shit or whatever. But like to the point where like breaking the law was things that myself, my little brother would get up to and we were really pushing the boundaries of what we should and shouldn't be doing. Um, when my parents split, um, this was just before we moved to Alice Springs, we, my, my old man moved to a south south of country town called or coastal town on the peninsula of south south australia called gorwa and there's just a peninsula town he moved there and started up his own concrete plant business um and then we moved as as a family my sister stayed now springs to finish year 12 um and uh, my little brother and i probably as we started to get older started to we started to fight more and more and um, I just remember Sam and I having this massive Barney. This is when we were living in Freeling. This massive fight over a PlayStation, I think it was. We just had this big fight. And um, at the time, like, my mum was going through, like, pretty severe, really severe depression. Two little kids, like, just causing havoc. Little, like, my older sister staying out in the spring. So our home became a little, like, quite separated. 
and um, so my mum and her partner, um, we lived we lived in their house in Freeland for a little while, and um, one night we just got in this massive fight. Sam's like, I'm I'm, I'm running away. I'm going with Dad's, <laughs> which is about five hundred k's away. So <laughs> how old is he? Uh, a couple of years younger than me, so I reckon he would have been about twelve, and I would have been about fourteen. Had it on, and and then he's like, I'm running away. There, so Sam's. Sam's on this mission, <laughs> which was walk to Goa. Anyway, so that, that didn't happen. And, and then because of the circumstances and, and at the time, the best decision you know is, especially in, in mum's eyes, was I've got to, I got to breathe. Like, I've got to get away from this for a bit. So we were going to, we, we moved to dad's for a, for a little while, for a, for a couple of weeks. And after that, which at that time with my old man starting his concrete business, he put everything on the line. Like he had nothing. He literally just put him, put himself forward and said, I'm gonna dive into this. I can work, I can build a life for myself, I can build something to give my kids or leave my kids or look after us. And I admire that so much. And, and at the time, you don't know what's gonna happen until it happens, but we moved in and then a few weeks later, we all kind of sat around the table and discussed what we were gonna do. And the decision at the time was, Sam was gonna stay with dad and I was gonna go home and live with my mum and that was essentially like your best mate just being taken away from you and and you don't really understand it and at the time again the decisions were made and and that's what happened so you, you got to live on and push through it. and you know my little brother you know, dad was never home and dad was always at work and he was working from three till evening every day just to keep this thing thing afloat and and he was, he was like, I, I, I'm not sure how I'm meant to parent at my best. So my little brother went through this phase of starting to hang out with older boys, older blokes, stopped going to school, just started running muck and, and went down a path of drugs and, and getting in trouble. And, um, and then I'm sitting in the other, up the other opposite side of South Australia doing similar things running a mark, getting into trouble, pushing the boundaries of what I shouldn't be, should or shouldn't be doing. But I always had something, which was hockey. Um, and that was a re- really interesting period in our life because at the time you're not processing it, you're just going with it. Sam's doing his thing, I'm doing my thing. My sister's in, in Alice Springs. My mum is severely depressed and trying to come through it and trying to come to that. My old man's trying to bring up one of his kids when he's got this business, when he's in mass amount of debt, just to get it to the point. And just so much stuff going on. And, and that was a real point in my life where hockey became probably the thing that just kept me going. I'd still run a market, still be no good and still be doing things, but it always brought me back probably to the point where I didn't go as far down the path as what my little brother did. Um, and coming out of that, like when more opportunities started to come my way, hockey-wise, I started to have to clean it up, but I'd also really fight with all the other things that was going on. And um, that was a real, real moment where things could have been totally different. Um, but it was just like I was on this mission and that mission kept me straight and narrow. Was narrow, <laughs> but 
you know, th- that goes on. And then there's moments in, in, in my career in Alice Spring, um, in well, that too, but I mean, in Adelaide where I, I was so, even when it come to people that I played with, like, it was like, you, you, you're on my mission. And the mission was to play for Australia and I'm playing club hockey, but I'd get so frustrated at people if they wouldn't get on board with what I needed, what I, when I needed it. And, and it became this, like, yeah, it became an obsession where I was just like, get on board or you're going to get left behind. And as again, as you get older, you start to realize that that's not the way. But, um, I remember, um, like never, never not, ma- never not made something, and I was always one of the best, and I was always pushing everyone, and I was always just like having a crack, and I was like, let's get better. And I remember, like, I was, God knows what reason, but I was um, selected for like the Youth Olympics, and that was a Junior World Cup team with, you know, some some of our greats currently still around, but like you got Swanee and Weddy and uh, the Bates brothers, Gov. Leon Haywood, so that was like all those, all those, all those guys. Chris Borza, um, um, and I didn't get selected, and I had no right to be selected. And I went to this Youth Olympics and played and just battled through it, and I was nowhere near it. Like I, I look back now, at the time, I was like, "Yeah, I'm playing for Australia." I thought it was awesome, but it wasn't the Kookaburras. And I remember, and and I remember coming back from that, and I was just like, "I got, I, I got work to do." Like I'm, I've just run around the pitch and not made an impact <laughs> done nothing and I come back from that 18, 19 that was 2009 yep oh so we've been 19 yep and at the time Craig Victory was um, our sassy coach and I just remember like kind of going like what what's next like how am I going to get back from this because that was a real it was kind of a good pathway or a segue into being noticed, identified, etc. 2010 came around and that was um, under 21s in Melbourne. And I just, I'll never forget this tournament because it was kind of like the tournament I'd like from, from playing that Youth Olympics and just being nowhere to that 2010 under 21s. Like I'd done so much work with Jig and now Jig was on my mission too and I would just be like when are we training individual sessions let's play hockey and like just be on, constantly on the tech team like Jig's Craig Victory Craig Victory yeah. and we got to that tournament and like I just smashed it like I played out of my skin scored a heap of goals player of the tournament and at that time Goodis was the junior coach and this is only my recollection of it happening but mm. um yeah, like he was the one that kind of went, oh, this kid's got something, let's give him a go. Anyway, I went like end of 2010, I came to Perth, did a couple of training sessions, then was offered an AO scholarship in start of 2011, which is when I made that transition. So all through that, like start with when my parents split up to like the moment of getting an AO scholarship was just so many moments where I could have been in trouble and it all ended or... Um, made something not made something um wanted to quit like just heaps of stuff but hockey just kept bringing me back and keeping me on this clean path with mm. whatever else was going on in there in my life mm. um did it ever did the mission ever falter were there any times where you thought this is too hard well i mean it, it kind of the crazy thing is, is from 2011 to now like it just starts it it continues on that path mm. 
and I think only only once um, in that period, and this is this is like I don't know how old I was. Maybe it was after that that Youth Olympics. I remember sitting with Sam, just talk, talking to Sam. I was probably drinking a beer or something. To be honest, I don't know. And I remember saying to him like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's more. Like, I could do more. There's other things I could do in my life." And I remember Sam just explicitly swearing at me. And he was like, "Nah, like f that." He's like, "You said you're playing for Australia, not like what are you doing?" And I just remember going, like, checking myself, especially all the things that Sam was going through in his whole life, and and I just I'll never forget that moment because like, what if he had said like, "Yeah, yeah, like, like let's get just get on, let's go run a mark." Like it could have been different, mm. but he got me at a moment of weakness and was like, "Mate, what are you talking about? Like, you said you're playing for Australia," and I reckon that was the only time that I truly went like, maybe I can't do it. Um, there's been heaps of moments where I'm, the door has nearly been closed but not locked and I've gone nuts, go back, keep the door open again. And that's happened so many so many times, probably more as a young kid stumbling through it versus from living in Perth, there's been a lot of other mm. like moments of the door being closed but opening it back up. And yeah, when I when I moved when I moved to, to Perth, like I remember getting a phone call. I think it was, I think it was Rick. Said I it was either Rick or at the time Andrew Smith, the HP manager. I can't remember. Um, you're getting a scholarship, like you you an A scholarship. You get to move to Perth. When was that? That was end of 2010. I remember moving into this weatherboard house, a couple of k's away from the hockey stadium, like house on stilts like thing was falling apart in summer like the aircon yeah, there's no aircon and it was just like in summer the house was so hot like you might as well just sit outside in the sun and then in the winter it was that cold because the walls were that thin and I was just <laughs> living there for two years and and like the the shower didn't actually have a a sprinkler head it was just literally like a hose and the, like just this straight stream of water would run out of it and as it hit your back, it'd go over and every day you'd just be mopping up the floor, like doing that for two years just to chase this mission. Why, and, why did you have to live like that though? Well, when I, so when I moved, because I couldn't see where I was going to move, mm. I, at the time, the AAS helped me and I don't think they, <laughs> like, and me being me, I was like, yeah, just get me there. So this was the house. I was like, well, I don't want to pay too much. I think I played, I paid like 320 bucks at the time I was living with my girlfriend and we would split split the rent and like that was that was where we lived just this massive block of sand with a house on stilts the ovens didn't barely work the, the toilets bit like always had to get fixed like it was just a crappy house um, like yeah remember my car getting smashed windows like just living in this thing but I was on this mission and when I like that year of 2011 like I think back to that now and from yeah 2011 I just remember I, I just remember the blue white red singlets running around a hockey pitch like madmen with like 40 blokes just stumbling through because I'd never been in an environment where like I wasn't really the best or I wasn't like the one challenging. And in my head, I was just like, I'm just gonna compete. Mm. 
because mm. I, I'm just I can play. Mm. I don't remember making friends with anyone. I don't remember. Well, I, I made friends with one bloke, or a few people, like, but not connecting with them as like teammates or not not diving into this um, environment of high performance. I would just go training, leave training, and didn't didn't really understand how to live in that environment. And it was such a blur that year of my first year in the program because I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to survive. Um, when I when I moved I, at that time, I wasn't I I was um, getting paid like an, a small amount of money from AS. Started doing some labouring work for a guy, Scott Martin, great guy, love him to death. Um, and he taught me how to landscape and pave. And I worked with him for like three years after that. And so through 2011, I would go to work, go pave and go to bed. And that was like my life. But I don't remember diving into an environment where I was a part of it. I was just being there. So it was quite interesting from the back of 2010, like really having a vision and going like, I'm playing really good hockey to going to... Perth is this angry kid that was just on this mission but had no idea how to do it or didn't have the tools to do it. So that was that was quite a quite an interesting year, 2011. That's it for part A. See you soon for part B of the help side with Tom Wickham.